Professor Bill Murphy gives his take on Senator Klobuchar's proposed Anti-Competitive Exclusionary Conduct Prevention Act. This is the Legal Impact, the weekly podcast presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD, graduate programs, and online professional certificates. Learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire. So, Bill, what's the rationale for creating this piece of legislation? Well, one thing I want is first say, AJ, it's really nice to talk to you. Very often this year, we've had a lot of things going on in the antitrust area. And I think that leads to some of the answer uh, as to you know what's going on. There's been a lot of focus on the current state of affairs with the economy and the dominance of tech giants. And I think the COVID crisis has only emphasized this even more, that how much power and how important they've become in all of our lives. If, if you go back to last summer, you'll remember that the tech giants um, were all appearing in Congress virtually. And then we had a House report in October. We had um, the Justice Department's lawsuit against uh, Alphabet, uh, Google's parent, in October. We also had a Federal Trade Commission versus Facebook in December. Um, EU's been active with their Digital Markets Act proposal and Digital Service Act proposal. and. I think that this was inevitable because the House report um, did come out saying that we needed to change the law and there needed to be legislative effort. And now that the Senate's going to change, I think that's what we're seeing. Is this being more proactive against future issues or is this kind of also looking back at some of the big, uh, larger companies, especially in the realm of technology? Well, I I think that the tech giants are always in in the area of interest here. Um, but I think we, if we also look at Senator Klobuchar, and if you remember, well, she was coming up here and in talking to uh, people and running for um, the office of the presidency, um, she has extensive experience in antitrust as a policymaker and who has put forth some innovative ideas to revitalize the antitrust laws in the face of this increasing power, both economic and political, of what we usually label as the tech giants. In fact, two years ago or three years ago now, uh, now pushing four in, in 2017, she introduced two bills, some of which some of the pieces are, but some of them are very different, where she tried that some change some of the thinking and saying, you know, we, we need to change how we approach the law. Um, one of them, the um, well, I think it was Consolidated Prevention and Competition Promotion Act that, didn't, that doesn't roll off your tongue quite easily. Uh, what a revised the Clayton Act. And she's proposing that again, that some innovative uh, change and new ways of looking at things and some pretty direct messages to the courts that here's how we want you to interpret the antitrust laws, not the way you have developed your thinking. What specifically is she looking to accomplish with this, especially how it involves the court? Well, there's one great quote in the beginning of this, um, and it's actually in the law. It says, antitrust enforcement, and I'm quoting, antitrust enforcement against any competitive exclusionary conduct has been impeded when courts have declined to rigorously examine the facts in favor of inaccurate economic assumptions that are inconsistent with contemporary economic learning. Okay, if that's not a bit of a shot at uh, uh, what we're using to analyze the antitrust uh, laws, 
in the court system. I haven't seen it. So th- th- this is the effort of the legislature, as w- which is their, their, their power to come along and say, no, you've got this wrong courts that you need to analyze this slightly differently. And here's some extra things you should think about. So it's a lot more bringing it up to 2021 as opposed to other things. Yeah, I, I think that we all start to realize that, you know what, this is maybe an effort to update the antitrust laws. There's been a rising course from many elements of society on both sides of the political spectrum um, that antitrust laws need to be modernized to deal with the challenges of the information age economy. And in particular, the power that a handful of technology platforms might have on our daily lives has become more and more evident during this COVID crisis when we totally rely on some of those platforms. Can you give a specific example of how this act would work to prevent monopolization? Well, one of the things this focuses on is looking at how we define market power and then what we call exclusionary acts. Uh, The courts and the antitrust laws have allowed activities that in the past would have let these what we call you know the, the digital gatekeepers amass more and more power. Some of it's been acquiring other uh, companies that look like they could be challenging them. It's sort of uh, you know we're either going to acquire you or we're going to kill you, um, and that seemed to be the philosophy for some. And they that was not an antitrust a monopolizing activity. This sort of pushes that. In fact, that's why the, the law is called um, you know about the exclusionary conduct. That's what it's aimed at. These things will be exclusionary conduct. You can't do these things. I think it's going to severely target companies buying up innovative companies that could be their competitors. So it would probably be something that would make it difficult for a Google to buy YouTube or make it difficult for a Facebook to buy WhatsApp or whatever uh, activities, you know, or whatever competitor products that they see as perhaps promising or threatening. Uh, it might even stop somebody like Amazon, who, by looking at the information that they see on um, everybody that's trading and uh, and buying and selling goods on their their, their website as the, gate, the 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 gatekeeper, the platform, that they decide, oh, let's offer our own products there. So they become a competitor and. A, a, an implementer, an essential implementer of the business. Are there any holes that you see in this where maybe the companies can work around it? Well, I, I, some of the holes are, is I don't, I'm not sure I would call them holes. This is, this is new day. Do we understand enough to make the call yet as to, okay, these things are, are going to be bad in the long run. Um, I, I do think that if I were a startup right now and I'm thinking, great, my exit could be that Google's going to buy me and now they can't buy me and they're going to get in the business and be my competitor. I'm not quite happy about that. Yeah, that's um, a big that's going to be a big issue for a lot of these startups where that's basically been the game plan of a lot of technology startups over the last decade where they start a smaller technology company going we're just going to dump all our startup cash into it. We know ultimately this product is not going to be successful on its own because of the marketplace, but we have something really innovative that a larger company like a Facebook is going to scoop up. And that's basically what yeah, happened with Instagram. I think you're right. And and 
they can lose money easily as, as opposed to, you know, a venture capital might not want to lose money for 10 years, whereas Amazon might go, yeah, OK, we'll lose money on that for 10 years. Um, it, it's, it's hard to say. There's a lot of speaking about innovation that they're stifling innovation. I, I think the jury's kind of out on some of that. I think sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, the power is there. There is no question about that. Um, the Europeans have a slightly different approach. Should you wait until afterwards and then sue them after they've done things? Or should you take a more with ex ante approach where you try to, you know, regulate them up front while we are, we're not comfortable with that. And I'm not sure we have the, the regulatory bodies to do that. And what, where, what would they be following as their guidance? So it's, we need to do something. I think that that is absolutely correct. I do think that the market power that these companies have is something we haven't seen. And I do think that it can distort the marketplaces and that that has to be something that we have to think about. Are they distorting competition with this enormous market power to the detriment of competitors, innovation, not to mention privacy and access to data? Um, I think we're, we, we suspect that. I'm not sure we know that for a fact. And I, I encourage innovation. I mean, I think the law needs to evolve. I think the, the law needs to not just get stuck in old thinking, um, I do think that the whole idea of economics being rational and that we've moved to behavioral economics with psychology of human beings, that has to be part of our economic thinking, you know, and I, I think that's hard. It's, it's, it's not easy once we get into a, a, a way of thinking. It does have some um, particular guidance, like you know, the presumptions, if you have a certain percentage of market share in a market, you know, certain things apply to you in, in this act. I think one of the problems always there is what's a market in today's world. Um, if I were in the steel manufacturing business 40 years ago, I kind of know that's what I'm in. I'm in the steel manufacturing business. What business is Google? In? Um, advertising. Search? That's where they make well, their money. Yeah. Advertising <laughs> is where they make their money. But if you, if you, if you, what, if you pick advertising writ large, so it was Amazon, it was Facebook, um, you know, the biggest competitors are each other and then the markets get so murky and then they're two-sided markets or multi-sided markets. And that analysis, we're, we're just now starting to, to understand how would you even think that through? Um, so that's, that's difficult. The other eye opener in this thing is the penalties. Um, the penalties are, will get the attention of these companies. It's at a certain percentage, they can go after you. And I, I have to look up in the act right here. 15% of the total US revenues of the previous years can be imposed as a civil penalty. Okay, so I did a quick calculation on Amazon. Their, their third quarter 2020 uh, worldwide revenue was about 96 billion. And of that, North America was 59. So I said, okay, give it, let's say it's 50 billion of that quarter is attributable to US revenue. So that would be 20 billion US revenue for the year for 2020. And 15% of that would be a $30 billion penalty. And that's going to get even the attention of these companies. So um, that is going to change the dynamic 
of the discussions between the Department of Justice and the FTC and these companies. Because are, are these big companies going to want more guidance as they come closer to considering merging and expanding into different markets because of this? I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's an astronomical amount of money that some of these. I mean, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google. I mean, these that's considerable income. Yeah, I mean, they're going to run into much more resistance on the mergers. That that's been proposed in a number of, of, of um, law proposals, not just this one, but the, the House report talked about that, that the merger acquisitions by these larger companies will be rethought. So I think they are going to have a harder time. But let's be honest, they can afford all the best lawyering. Um, and if it really is important, then they can uh, take it on. They are probably going to mount an argument that points out that, you know, that this might be harmful. And I think that that type of debate is good. Politically, um, not really your your wheelhouse in this, but w- when it comes to this going through uh, the, the legislature and then off to President Biden to sign off on, what do you think the chances are that this is going to make it through? Well, I think part of it has to do with how high on the list is this? But this, you know what, just on the side, this might be something that you can get enough Republicans that it's it's not super controversial. So, you know, it looks like bipartisan. There are a number of Congress, the Republicans are not happy with the tech giants either. Um, now, they all have different ideas of what the problem is, but you might be able to get this with some support, and then it makes it look like um, you know you're doing your bar- bipartisan thing. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you know you 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 hold this off. Um, larger strategic legislative strategy is out of my wheelhouse, um, but I would think that you know I don't think this was done blindly. I, I think that this is floated out here now. Um, even though it's been around for a little bit, but I, you have to win the election before you even float this. Um, and I think the, the idea is let's, let's see who, who buys on and then see what press we get, see what people say. Uh, there, there is a, a thing of trying out the proposals. And I think, I think this, is, this is an interesting one. I, I applaud the innovation. I think that we need to pay attention. I, I like the fact they added labor markets in it. Labor markets are something that have been misuse where people have a lot of buying power, um, the, the people, you know, the, the Ubers buying the, the services of their, their gig economy workers. And I think that that's interesting that they've included that for the first time I've seen that really being important. Thanks for listening to The Legal Impact, presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify.